So we're going to skip right now. We're going to play a pre-roll we normally have before the service. I'm going to jump right in um, here because we're in an attitude of prayer um, and go right into our series. We've been doing this series um, that is the greatest adventure, and uh, it's this idea that we're leaning in and saying, hey, God, you have the greatest adventure for me, I know, when I trust you with my whole life. And uh, we, so we've gone through thinking about this idea of what does it mean to trust God? What does it mean to entrust God with everything? And so we've gone through a list of things here. And today uh, we're going to be in Genesis. So if you have your uh, Bibles with you, you want to open up with me, we're going to be in Genesis uh, 22. Genesis chapter 22. And uh, I wanted to go there to discuss and talk through uh, this incredible story with uh, Abraham and Isaac. Uh, just an incredible conversation here with God uh, between him and Abraham that Moses records. So before we go there, I just wanted to talk to you as a family about some things and um, just to or just come out and say uh, a cool thing that we get to do often is talk with God. I don't know if you thought about this week, but throughout just the stuff of life, um, it's kind of cool uh, that I could just turn uh, my attention to God. In the, in, in the middle of uh, somebody saying something, I can literally jump from one conversation to another. I was thinking of this, like, it's kind of cool that um, God kind of invented the whole idea of like three-way conversations or Zoom calls, right? We've had them with 20 people in the room. And uh, to this week and, and other weeks, I realized like, like, I've done this with God where I'm in a conversation with somebody and I jump into conversation. There's no delay. There's no um, buffering. There's no what I call the spinning wheel of death when I'm in conversation with God. Isn't that a blessing? Come on. Uh, but when I'm in conversation with God, I have instant uh, just rights to come in and have conversation with him. It's an incredible thing. I was talking with people about their hard stuff, and as I'm listening to their hard stuff and hard situations, um, I can go from that moment they're talking to me about their stuff, I immediately go, hey, God, did you hear that? Of course he does. But I can invite him into that moment right there and just have a conversation. Hey, God, what is going on here? Uh, uh, my, my family, my brother, my sister uh, need your help, and I just need you to, to come in and, 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 and just do something with this situation. We need a miracle. We need you to move. And, and sometimes people get a little like put off. Like, who are you talking to, bro? Like, what's going on? I, I just exited conversation and entered a conversation uh, vertically with God. And, and for somebody who's not walking with God in relationship and conversation, that's kind of weird. You know what I'm saying? Some people might say, well, you know, you're talking to yourself. But if you, if you know and have a relationship with God, you, you know I'm just talking. I'm talking to my father. We're having a conversation. It's ongoing because I probably started early this morning and actually you entered in, you interrupted my conversation journey with God. It's kind of a different perspective to have. See, I can live life and walk around and it's kind of like I'm doing life and then, oh, hey God, what's up? And I make time for him. Or it could be that I'm walking in conversation and journey with God and other people I'm interacting with along that journey. And so they're interrupting a holy, awesome journey with God. You guys, you flowing with me? You, you tracking with me? It could be. I thought of that this week in a real uh, in-my-face way because my week started out in a conversation with someone who uh, described their life. And uh, I was you know, coming from home and, 
and, you know, leaving the family to, to come in and, and do work as I know it. I had a list, right? Anybody? I had a list of things to work through that I wanted to just get done. And as I entered in, there was a conversation that needed to happen that took priority because of the need in somebody's life. And I, I made that choice that this was priority and, and their desperation. And we entered into a conversation. And what they relayed to me was real desperation. And Bryce like, this is what's going on. And then when they were done relaying that, they said, you know, I don't know how much rope I have left to hold on to. I'm done. I'm ready just for this to be over. And desperation, they relayed in their voice, and I could hear it without them even saying it. I don't want to keep going through this. Please help. What, what can we do? And there's, there's obvious things we could put around them, support and different things. But in that moment of desperation, I knew I had one thing I could do that was bigger and better than anything else, and that was, hey, God, you want to be in this thing. You have a lot of rope left. God, you can come into this thing right now, and where it feels bleak and impossible, you can make this situation not that way. You can bring peace, you can bring comfort, you can create a longer length of rope for them to hold on to. God, you can do all of these things. So God, you're hearing this, right? And so I instantly, I engage in a conversation with God and I bring that. And isn't that cool? Like God's here. God's in the midst. God never goes away. He's just always involved in that moment. He was already involved. I just wanted to make that invitation. And I wanted to invite and I wanted to say it out loud because the person going through something was like, oh yeah, that's right. And there was a steering away from kind of thinking about all the stuff and now the attention was vertical, back to God, on God, and oh yeah, God can do that. I wanted to just bring that to, to us this morning just to say, you know, um, to your left and to your right is probably somebody going through something right now and you have no idea. And the one thing I could remind this person of and help them with was this, that you are not alone. You're not the only person going through this. And church, I want to make sure I'm really clear, really plain about this. You might be going through something right now. You might be at home going, I don't know how much more I can do with this, whether it's parenting, whether it's your marriage, whether it's at work, whether it's something that, that life has thrown at you or something you've done, now you're living in the consequence of it. Whatever it is, like there is somebody else going through that. Not exactly, but they're going through it. And, and often we sit in church and we, we do this. We sit down and we think everybody else has got it together. And we come and we sit down. It looks like it, but actually like behind the scenes and what's actually going on, um, it's not all good. There are other people that are at the end of their rope too. And all of you are welcome here. And you're at home if you feel like life's overwhelming. Because you're, you're, you're one with a lot of other people here. Life is overwhelming at times. It can be too much. So we're going to stop and pray. And I want to give you an opportunity. If you're not there right now, which is probably there's a small few of you that aren't feeling completely overwhelmed right now with the decisions you've got to make and the life stuff that's happening, so there's a small few of you. You can join in and pray for the other person next to you who's probably there.
So just out of the glimpse of your eye, you want to look to the left or your right, find somebody to pray for. If you're that person, life's not overwhelming. If you're overwhelmed, we're praying for you right now. So if everybody just close your eyes, let's pray. Father God, all these situations, all of them matter to you. All of these families matter to you. And you want to be in partnership right in the midst of all that's going on in our lives. Not once one life here, not one family is insignificant in your eyes, but they all matter to you. And God, we just ask that you come and you move and you have your way in our midst. God, we need you to show up. We need a miracle. God, we want to see you move in these situations. We expect it in faith, in Jesus' name. We ask and pray, amen. And I'm believing right now there's a shift happening in your life. He's like, I'm already praying. And I praise God, you're already praying. But if you're not praying, now you are praying. And you're not just praying, but we're all praying with you. Amen? Amen? Be a praying church. Look for somebody who needs prayer this week and join in because it matters. Genesis 22. Here's the sermon. Praise God. That was heavy on my heart this week, guys, because it was just one out of more than a dozen conversations I had with people that are overwhelmed. And I don't want us to ever think that we're alone or that, you know, you're the only one or the only family going through it. God is with you. You are not alone in being overwhelmed. Genesis 22 is an overwhelming, crazy scenario going down, and we're going to jump right in because the greatest adventure that you and I can have on this earth while we're here is, uh, comes into play when we trust God with our lives, our time, and all that we have. And it requires, at times, great surrender. And it will require that our time and our attitudes shift to availability. I know when life's uh, uh, overwhelming and lots of things are going on, that being available to listen to God or listen to anybody else's stuff is hard. But I think God requires us to remain in a posture of availability. Here I am, available to your direction, God. I think he requires that at all times as a part of being uh, available or part of being obedient and living by faith and having this greatest adventure that he has available for us is being available. So we're going to jump in and take a look at this uh, in Genesis 22. And you guys are there in your Bible. Verse 1, it goes like this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. His response was, here I am. He replied, then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, or Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Abraham is obviously like a hugely significant figure in the Bible, right? Father uh, to many, as the story goes, as we're going to read. Uh, at this moment, though, that we're looking into the story, so much has happened to this point that the, the verse actually begins with, sometime later... God tested Abraham. So all this crazy stuff has happened to Abraham, and we're catching up with him later on down the road, in a season, all right? 
in a season. We don't know if he's comfortable or whatever, but if you read through the story, it would seem that actually it would be kind of an inconvenient moment. God's entering into the story to test Abraham. So from the onset, here's the thing. When I read this, when I knew this story about God, about Abraham and Isaac, it was one of those stories I wanted to ignore and run away from. Because as a person who loves to share his faith and tell people about Jesus and that you can trust the Bible, this story was one of those ones that I cringe. I'm like, oh, that's in the Bible. Yes, it is. Ah. Because uh, you want to talk about sacrificing a child? Like, this is weird. I don't have a context for how to, and, and, and it's one of those ones like you've got to get in and you've got to explain it in context, but I love that in the original language that the, the sentence goes a little different, but it reads more like, hey, this is a test in a sense as God's saying this, he's setting it up. Moses is giving us kind of a uh, foreshadowing. It's a test. Test meaning this is going to test you, right? But I'm not giving a command or direction. It's different. So if it reads, and Moses said, hey, God commanded that he go and take his son and sacrifice him, that would be different, but it doesn't. It says God's going to test his faith. So there's a sense that there's going to be a testing and then a relief. And as we read, that's, that's how the story goes. So he sets it up in this way, and we're going to read that he confirms this as we go down through. Uh, there's three points and the first is that it's a test. So you can take a little breather. I'm not going to try to convince you that offering your children is a good idea. The Bible actually teaches against that. Okay? And it was a pagan practice. But here's the testing. We're looking at this moment uh, as uh, Moses frames uh, that uh, biblical and history context would actually show that it's not something that is ever condoned. But I love, even though Abraham knows it's not God's desire for him to do it, here's his response. When he hears God's voice, Hanine, that's, the, uh, that's the, the language that comes out of him, and it means, here I am. The Hebrews translated to, uh, I am available. My, my time, my everything is here. It's this posture of, what do you want? Kind of like when my kids come around, sometimes I will answer this way, without an attitude. What do you want? <laughs> that sounded nice, didn't it? Uh, Abraham has this hanine, this response of, here I am. So God says, I beseech you, go and take your son, and God believes this is good for him. The testing will be good. And there's, there's a good kind of a blessing connotation that comes with this in the Hebrew. And so uh, Abraham follows. Why does God need or want to test Abraham? This is a question we don't know the answer to. We can surmise. We can come up with something. But this is a big deal. It seems to be something that is connected to the story that is bigger than Abraham, trusting God. There's a lot riding on Abraham and Isaac, so it, seemingly, it, it seems like it must be important. Moses uh, writes it down, so it must have been a big deal. Trusting God completely, 
How had he not done that in the past? Well, as we look at Abraham's story and you read the other moments where God comes to him or leads him in direction, right? We see him having a backup plan. This is the first time in Scripture we see God testing somebody's faith like this. So as I look at the other characters and the other stories in the Bible, I've got to surmise this, that Abraham needed this test maybe because in the other times where he had been set up with, hey, I need you to do this, Abraham, Abraham had gone and figured out a plan B, right? Namely, his son or sons. So my question is, as I'm going through this, I'm asking myself, what would it take for God's plan to be the only plan? Is there a way for me to get to this place in life where when God speaks or I sense God's direction, I hear the the whisper from God as I'm looking through Scripture, He convicts me or whatever, that direction comes with I'm available and your plan's it. I don't know about you guys, but I can be that way. I can start to formulate another way around it or a quicker way from point A to point B. God's asking for something. Oh, I, I can do this. Or I could do it like this. I can start to formulate a plan. And so for me, it's important to remember and, and come to God when He says and is asking me for something that I come and say, hey, it's your plan and it is the only plan. This is it. And I need to remember that because of my planning strategic brain, I start to think through ways that I can do it. So as I thought through this for Isaac and the way that God's laying it out, I actually started to poke holes in the plan that God laid out for Abraham. It's like, this is confusing, God. You asked for him to go and sacrifice his son. Problem. He has two sons. So what do you mean? Go sacrifice your son. There's a problem. Anybody else find a problem with that? That's annoying. What do you mean, God? And as I looked at that and studied, well, the, the language is talking about his only son, and that connotation, that word means that your blessed son, the one I recognize. Well, when I look at that, I look back, and Isaac comes because Abraham finally gives up his way of doing it and listens to God. You guys read that story? You want to go back and read it? But we have now two sons, one of them Ishmael. And because of, we have two sons of Ishmael, uh, we have a whole other uh, way of looking at God. We have Islam. We have another nation and many nations that would be at odds and, and come against the children of Israel. But God is only speaking of one son, the son of promise, the son that I blessed you with. And so he says, come and uh, bring that as an offering. Sometimes God comes and asks for what we value the most, and that's painful. So God speaks to Abraham, right, and continues, and go to the region of Moriah. Moriah, which means the Lord is my teacher. That region, uh, which is interesting, he's going to go and God sets it up. You are going to be stretched. I'm going to test your faith. What's interesting then, I'm going to send you to this place, which is God is my teacher. The Lord is my teacher. So let's continue reading this. Verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. 
I look at this and I read this and I get, I don't know about you, but I get challenged because often when I hear from God, my response is, seriously? Like, but why? And I think about my son's response to me. But why, Dad? But why, Dad? But why, Dad? I mean, we can go around that circle a hundred times. But this is not the case with him. And it's not the case. Something, I'm going to make note here that something is shifting in Abraham. Because when I read Abraham's story, this is a moment where he's shifting towards a type of obedience that does look different than the old Abraham. And I'm saying to myself as I'm reading through the story this time around, I'm saying, God, I want this kind of shift in my own life. In the past, I want to even talk about myself. In the past, I used to choose to think about all the questions and all the doubts that I might have when you bring me direction. And I want to move to where he is in this place where he just moves, where he just says, yes, here I am available. And then the next day he's in operation and doing what you asked him to do. God, can I be like that? And not only that, but he's doing something that a lot of people, I'm sure, question. Or would question. There's no hesitation though. And then as I look at the journey, what does it say here? Three days. I think it took, right? On the third day, verse four, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Three days is enough time if, if you've ever walked for three days. I don't know how many of you have done that, Right? Like we think, think of this, like last time I went for a three minute drive down the road, I got asked why we were going on this drive at least a hundred times. So I'm thinking about the three day journey that they're walking to this place, the destination. How many times did that son stop and be like, so where are we going, dad? What are we doing on this trip? What's the purpose? I got to think he asked Three days, think about it. And this journey for three days, just the, looking at the distance, this had to be if you're young and fit and walking as hard as you can for nine hours a day, you would make it. If you're not and you're just plodding along, this guy's old. Now, don't, I don't want any emails about, hey, Bryce, that's not that old this week because I'm just reading the scripture that says he was old, all right? He was referred to in scripture as old. I'm just saying it like that, all right? So he's older and he's walking a little slower than normal, all right? So this is probably maybe 12, 13, 14 hour days because they're, they're walking, right? They're hiking across country. There's no escalators. There's no taxis. There's no, I can call for somebody to take me. There's no Uber, all right? So they're walking for three days and there's, the point I wanna make is there's plenty of time for them to stop camp and get questioned, why are we doing this? Plenty of time to turn around. Plenty of time to say, hey, maybe this isn't the best plan. I got another one. And on the third day, he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. This is beautiful because it's another uh, moment where we see the intention of this whole thing. This story is a sit-up to be tested in his faith. And right now, Abraham is, yes and amen, God. I wanna do, even though it perplexes me, even though it stretches me, even though it doesn't make sense, and I'm probably gonna be ridiculed for the rest of my life for even going through with this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this out loud for my servants because they're gonna hear my testimony of faith in who God is. And what does he say? I and the boy gonna go over there. We will worship, key word, 
Obedience, God's love language, is worship. When we do what we're created to do, it is worship. When we walk in obedience, it is worship. So I'm going to go over there. I'm going to worship God. And then we will come back to you. Plural. We will. We will come back to you. A statement of faith. God will come through for us. He's going to make a way. Abraham isn't lying. Abraham's statement of faith is this. What I'm doing right now is worship. It's obedience. It's, it's me go, following through. It's me also, I'm going to say to you all, uh, this is what he's saying to his servants, my theology is this. God is good and faithful. His word stands true. His understanding of God is sure. Well, what word? Well, Genesis 17, we go back. If you want to flip back to verse 19, you're going to see, then God said, this is God speaking. He says, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. So can God go back on that? The answer is from Abraham, no way. God said, therefore he will. So he's not, it's not a blind faith. This is not him hearing in the night, I've got to go and do this thing. He's following God's leading and he stands in front of his servants like, hey, I will be back with my son because God's got something he's doing here. He's testing me. I don't know what he's going to do, but man, this is stretching. This is obscure, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm convinced that Abraham went with confidence because, and of his willingness to do whatever God commanded him because God would absolutely make a way for the two of them to walk off the mountain together. And here's further testimony of that in verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire. Can you imagine that? Man, that's heavy. As the two of them, not just literally heavy, but man, that would be heavy. To give him the wood and the knife. They went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, the, fa the fire and wood are here. Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb. <laughs> I don't know about you, but like as my son would be asking that, I might try a roundabout way. <laughs> like I'm not going to tell you what is actually going on, but I'm going to find it. I'm going to find an out here. He found the ultimate out. Dads, we can copy this. Basically, God's, God will do it. <laughs> like God said, God will provide. Like, he just goes straight to the God card. Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. It's a good out. Write that one down. And the two of them went on together. God will provide. God had provided, right? And we just read about this covenant back in verse 17, or chapter 17. What's awesome for all of us is here as we watch this and we see Isaac taking this on and, and walking towards this place, we get a picture of Jesus himself walking towards the cross, carrying his, uh, towards the place where the cross will be hung, carrying his own cross, walking up that mountain, the same mount 
where we see this happening is where Jesus is going, Mount Moriah, right, where we now see a temple, but stone throw away is Golgotha, the same place where Peter was handed the keys to the, he- to the king- kingdom of heaven, the same place where Jesus is going to lay down his life. This is this mo- mountain and this place where God will teach us, and today, if we're open, we can be taught this, that Jesus is the provision, but even more ultimately, God will provide. Where do we start today? I'm overwhelmed at the end of my rope. God, I need you. Here's the provision of God. This place is going to be renamed from he is our provider or our teacher to he is providing. So this place was renamed because Abraham took his son Isaac and what it gets renamed is this, God will provide. And that's what he did on that same place. Many years later, Jesus is a provision for us all. Hebrews 7, uh, 11, 17. In the New Testament here, it says this. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offering, offspring be named. He considered that God was uh, able even to raise him from the dead. So in Abraham's mind, Hebrews is calling out, in Abraham's mind, he's got all these options of how God's going to show up and provide for him. And he's even got this in his mind as as we're going to read here, the knife is coming down. Hebrews is calling out, he even had this in his mind that even if I do take my son's life, he is able to raise him up. Imagine that faith that Abraham is holding. He says he considered that God was able to even raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Because in Abraham's mind, he had given him up to death that God would also be able to provide. And that's an incredible faith that we could, we could get ourselves to this place of saying, God, you have my greatest possessions. Any father in the room knows what I'm talking about. To even comprehend a son in that position And to say, yes, I will. And to be ready to to be in the motion of that and say, yes, okay, God. I believe that you're able to do whatever you, you're able to do whatever to make this happen. Your promise is absolute. And so we read the story that everybody knows and has heard before, right? When they reached the place uh, God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. He replied, see this posture of here I am? Man, this is powerful. Here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now, uh, now I know that you fear God. Say fear God. Because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, here it is, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Here's this coming together of this promise from many chapters ago, many years ago. 
as many as in the sky and the sand on the seashore, your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed, and we are one of them, because you have obeyed me. That angel called his name twice in haste, it would seem, as Abraham stopped because they truly believed Abraham's there. He's willing to follow through on this. Hanane was his response when the angel called his name. Here I am, available. Available. Church, on that same hill, Jesus blessed all of humanity by becoming the sacrificial lamb. He died in our place. And we, like Isaac on the altar, God sent his only son, Jesus, as the perfect sacrifice to die in our place. And today I'm convinced that the greatest adventure that life has for you and me is on the other side of us trusting our lives into God's hands and like Abraham. When we willingly do this, we can expect that life will serve us up an adventure an adventure that we could not walk in unless we trust God fully. So I want to say this, and I'm convinced that genuine faith is produced as we remain obedient in the face of the hard times. At the end of the rope times, in our times right now, in so many families, when we're at a place of desperation and we know people are in places of desperation, I'm convinced that genuine faith is being produced here as we remain obedient. That immediate obedience is an expression of love and trust. And that delayed obedience is an expression of lack of trust and respect. And it's a great opportunity for us to see that in our own hearts and lives and say, God, I want to shift to where Abraham was. If you see it in yourself and you you know you need to make a shift. It's just a, a half a moment away because God's right here for you to enter in a conversation and say, God, I don't see this in myself. I want to shift towards it. And it's just that easy. I believe he would say, ask and you will receive. I say that I want you to ask that because here's, here's the thing, church. I said it last week. I want to move into the community and be uh, a spreading the love of Christ into our community and we need to be in groups and, and talking about it and living it out in our everyday lives. And, and I want that because I believe we're called to, as Christ followers, to be influencers, leaders in our community. And so this is true about leadership. Leadership is sacrifice. We can never outdo God in this ultimate expression of sacrifice and love for us. You can't outdo him. I can't outdo him. He gave his only son. And we have this foreshadowing with Isaac and Abraham of this love that Abraham had for God. But we can invite others in as we imitate Christ in this way by leading sacrificially and loving God with our obedience to him. Your obedience, your faith in God in this way, living sacrificially and being available the way that Abraham was, being a person like Abraham that says, here I am, sits you up to be a person that invites others into faith in God. 
I believe our world is looking for this. People that are saying, here I am when God whispers and God wants to move and do things in our world that may look different, may look weird, may look odd. And I believe God's calling us to move in these ways of moving sacrificially, of moving in love, expressing love in extravagant ways so that we can imitate Christ and the world sees that and says, wow, that's what I need. That's what I want. Because that is what they need. And it is truly what we all want. And here's what I want to take away from Hebrews, uh, sorry, in Genesis 22. That living in obedient faith will require us to be here I am people. Here I am people as Abraham was. Here I am. Here I am, number one, for you to speak. Here I am, available. Now, I, I say that, and you might say, oh, I'm always available, Bryce. I, I, I get it. You're probably awesomely available. I, I struggle with it because I can be so busy in life, and I can be so busy thinking about everything that's right here that busies me, that, that frustrates me, that, that distracts me, and I forget that I'm in a conversation in life with God, and, and everything else really is just like it's life, but here with God is most important. So it's very easy for me to get caught up in stuff and I forget to be listening to God and being directed all the time by God. And so it has to be a conscious decision that I'm doing in the morning and I say, God, here I am, I'm available. This is an ongoing conversation with you. Everything else is just, it's just stuff. And so it becomes this thing like for me is that there's, there's a, a welcome mat in my life that says, I'm available for holy interruptions today. Like I got a list, but God, you're going to trump everything. Your whispers, your direction takes precedence. The next thing is to be redirected. I'm, I'm available is just the first step. What happens when God lays something on your heart like you did with Abraham that blows your mind? Are you asking me to do what? You're asking me to do that? And I was caught up yesterday and uh, it's a crazy moment. It doesn't happen all the time. I mean, crazy, crazy happens all the time at our house. But I mean, this moment... <laughs> Had the baby in my hand, you know, on, on one hip, and I was fixing a motorbike, reaching down with a wrench. It was a beautiful moment. Nobody took a picture, but I, I did mentally. Like, yeah, I'm the dad. And I'm reaching in, and someone else came up behind me, asked for something. You know, I got totally thrown off, and I was busy. And that, that was kind of the, 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 the image of my day. It was just one thing to the next. Everybody needed something from me, and I, I walked inside, and somebody smashed a glass in the, in the sink, and I'm like you know and in that moment my child turned around looked at me my son turned around looked at me I'm like ah oh, and I heard this whisper hold him now you might say well that's just good parenting Bryce I'm like well praise God because I need the Holy Spirit to make me a good parent alright I don't know about you but I need that and so I leaned into that whisper even though it wasn't what I wanted to do but I went in and I just grabbed him held him squeezed him tight pulled him close and I said you okay mate he began to cry, and I'm not going to tell you who it is because I don't want to tell him, you know, he's a big boy. He doesn't want to know the people, you know, you don't need to know who it was. Anyway, I got eight of them, so you can get guessing. 
he was too big to be holding anyway. So I'm holding him. And, But that's what he needed in that moment. I needed to be available to holy interruptions, even in the midst of crazy, to hear that and then re redirect to what was needed. And that discernment, that redirection you can have in the midst of crazy, in the midst of hard things, so that God can give you discernment and wisdom to do things that you wouldn't initially think of. Amen? So the third thing is I've made room for an immediate response. Interruptions are welcome. I'm ready, God. I'm available to you. Abraham walked this out in front of us, church, and I'm praying that we can be a church. You know, when somebody calls me for help, sometimes I want to just shut it down. I want to shut it down quick because I'm like, I don't have time for this. This is outside of the schedule. But I'm leaning into that moment for prioritization and for the discernment and wisdom of God and prioritizing my, my list and, and who's in my life and all the things because I need you, God, to, to for, is this the holy interruption that I needed today to walk in step with you? The great adventure that I signed up for you, with you, Jesus, is this a moment? And sometimes that holy interruption immediately looks like it and God says, no, turn around, you need to do this. I'm like, but this is exciting. And sometimes it's not the exciting thing, it's the dull, boring thing, like staying home and sending my wife out to do something or, or, or I'm not saying that's boring, I shouldn't say that, but sometimes it's not what I immediately think is the thing to do, but it's what I just stop and make myself available to in that moment and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? I want to be an available people. I want to be an available church. Because I think God wants to do something in our midst. So I think God wants to change and interrupt our normal. So it takes a yes. I love Abraham's yes because it challenges me. You know, Jacob said, here I am. Moses said, here I am. Samuel said, here I am. Isaiah said, here I am. Ananias said, here I am. Even to talk to Saul who became Paul, but Saul was killing Christians. In the New Testament, you read that story and, and it's the exact same word, Hanine, because God speaks and He says, here I am. I want to say, I'm guilty of saying, what do you need? What do you want? I don't want to be that way. I want to be, here I am. God, what do you want to do? Church, can we shift today? Could we shift to being available people? Here I am, people, along with Abraham. If you want to just stand as a church, just signify today, man, I want to stand in that. I want to be a here I am people. I want to make a shift. We're, we're going to confess today, God, our, our stuff maybe got in the way of us being available. I thank you for this witness, this testing of faith that points us back to being a people that are available for you to move and to groove with. God, we want to move and step with you. God, we don't want to just do our own thing. But God, I, I'm thankful that you're available and you speak to us constantly and move and, and, and shift in our midst and, and whisper to us. God, we want to trust you in like this and, and experience the adventure that you have for us. God, as we worship you today in this moment, I pray that, 
God, you shift us, move us to change, to be a people that are more available than we were when we walked into this place. You are able. Thank you for this example, God. I thank you for moving us to change today. May our hearts grow and be more available to you, Holy Spirit, today in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen.